With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, Jimmy Murphy here with Pierre McGuire, and it's time for another episode of the eye test here on the Sick Podcast Network. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to the Sick Podcast. The Eye Test with Pierre McGuire and Jimmy Murphy. The Stanley Cup winning Colorado Avalanche. And after 22 years, Raymond The sickest NHL podcast. It's going to be sick. Hey, Jimmy Murphy here back with Pierre McGuire. Another episode of the Eye Test here on Black Friday in the States. Uh, and as always, a huge slate of hockey, just like we had Wednesday night. Another huge slate pier here tonight uh, in the States. And it, it, honestly, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving and the Friday right after, two of my favorite days on the hockey calendar pier. Well, there's no question about it. Um, the biggest thing to me is just the huge number of games that have been taking place this week in the National Hockey League, Jimmy. It, it's amazing to me. And the consistency and the caliber of play is so high right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a testament to the balance in the league. It's a testament to the quality of athlete playing in the league and to the determination of all of these players in the National Hockey League. It's really fun to watch. It really is. And I, I think the other thing, too, Pierre, that obviously you and I love because we we keep tabs on prospects and, and up-and-comers, so to speak, is just seeing a lot of these young kids uh, come into fruition right now in the NHL, kids that you've been targeting for a while, you've been talking about for a while, but now they're starting to make the noise themselves. And we'll get into that a little when we talk about your second game, your eye tonight or today uh, with the LA Kings and the Anaheim Ducks. But let's start off with the Winnipeg Jets and the Florida Panthers, Pierre. And if you would peg this game on the calendar earlier in, you know, in the season, right before the season started, it's like, oh, that's going to be a game of the week type game. A lot of people would have looked at you and been like, are you okay? But you know, I, I know yeah. they do that anyways, Jimmy, so that's okay. But you know, you're, you're right about that. No, you're 100% yeah. right. Um, first of great. all, hats off to the Winnipeg Jets. What a start for them. And, Jimmy, when you think about it, Rick Bonitz hasn't been coaching because of an illness to his wife. And, and hats off to Rick mm-hmm. and, and his family. We, we're wishing them nothing but the best. But Scotty Arneal stepped in there and done a fantastic job. And everybody says, whoa, they're two or three player team. You know, they're Connor Hellebuck, they're Mark Shifley, they're Kyle Connor, and that's about it. Well, nothing could be further from the truth. First of all, passing of the torch. Adam Lowry has responded. He's been a tremendous appointment as captain there. Cole Perfetti, who was a first-round pick in the 2020 draft, after spending some time in the American Hockey League, he's doing a fantastic job there. Neil Pionk who came over to Winnipeg in the Jacob Truba trade, he's been lights out really good, and he's been good for a while. Josh Morrissey has been consistent, steady. Last year I know there was a lot of Norris Trophy discussion about him, but he's been just as good, if not better, this year, Um, and he looks so much more comfortable as a go-to guy for that team. The Winnipeg Jets are about uh, character. They're about pushing the pace of the game. Yes, they have a high level of skill, and they got a pure finisher. They are a ton of fun to watch, and you know what? The Florida Panthers – after their run to the final last year, Jimmy, they're legit. 
They're oh, a legit yeah. team. You watched their game the other night with the Edmonton Oilers. We were talking about it off the air. I mean, when you think about it, they go down 2 nothing in that game, and you're like, okay, Edmonton's going to steamroll them. Not so fast, Kowalski. You know, the <laughs> truth is, is that they bounce back pretty darn quick. So all in all, I can't wait to watch Winnipeg and Florida. And most people would say before the season, what a snoozer. Not a chance. It's going to be a great hockey game. It really is. And, you know, Pierre, I, I got to see Florida in person earlier in the season when they were in Boston, and they lost that game 3-2. to two. Um, but the other day, you know, before the Bruins, it's almost a week ago now, but before the Bruins headed down to Florida for the two-game trip they just finished, uh, you know, I, I was talking to Coach Montgomery just off the off the record, you know, shooting a breeze with him, and he's like, Jimmy, that team is scary good. He goes, I, you know, people are sleeping on them right now. They think it was just some kind of Cinderella run to the final last end. Just like you said, they're for real. And he called it the toughest game his team has had to this point. I mean, he said they are the best team we played. And if you look at the standings, even though the Bruins had such an amazing start, there's the Florida Panthers right behind them in the division. So they're no joke. And, you know, I look at that team too. And Paul Maurice, I think, I don't know, Pierre, over the years, I don't think he gets enough love because the guy has consistently motivated players, specifically players that sometimes haven't been motivated enough by other coaches. He's found the buttons to push there, and it's worked. And I, I think he's one of the best coaches, at least. I've been covering the game since 01-02. He's one of the best coaches I've covered. He'd be up there. There's no question about it. And what's interesting, obviously, he's coaching Florida, his old team, the Winnipeg Jets, where he resigned from being the That's coach right. there. That message you're talking about that he's able to translate, Jimmy, he kind of felt that that message wasn't resonating with his old team. So he said, you know what? I got to get out of here for the well-being of the players and the well-being of the team and maybe for my own well-being. And he did. One of the things you just said about Florida is so true. They're hard to play against, and they're even harder now, Jimmy. Remember, they didn't have Brandon Montour, and they didn't have Aaron Ekblad to start the season. Those guys are back now. (laughs) They're good players. I mean, I watched Aaron the other night, and – you could see there's still a little bit of rust on the skates, but man, oh man, he processes a game defensively, defensively as well as most players in the league. And Brandon Montour's got huge offensive upside. So you add his offense to an already potent uh, Florida Panther offensive team, and you add Aaron Ekblad's defensive awareness and puck moving ability, that just makes Florida a tougher out. This is going to be – that Winnipeg-Florida game is going to be an excellent game. Really, really good. Looking forward to it. Let's head out west, uh, way out west to California. And look – Pierre, for a while, you know, you got to cover a lot of those games back in, you know, with NBC. The Kings and the Ducks were one of the fiercest rivalries in the NHL. And then obviously both teams kind of had some down years, the Ducks more so than the Kings. And it lost its its glare a bit. But now you've got the potential to really reignite this rivalry. And those two teams will meet tonight in Anaheim. And I think it's going to be a heck of a game. The swagger's back in the series, and you've got a really smart hockey operations group led by Luke Robitaille and Rob Blake and Nelson Emerson in Los Angeles. And I think Pat Verbeek, since being named the general manager in Anaheim, Jimmy, has done a fantastic job. The thing to me, and again, this is a younger team versus an experienced team. The L.A. Kings have won eight straight road games to start the season, Jimmy. Eight straight. They go into Anaheim, they've got a chance to win their ninth. It's really perplexing and amazing and good for L.A., but when you talk to Todd McClellan, the coach of L.A., and he's got some really strong statements, one of the things he says, I'm not so really surprised by this because we've been together so long. We're a structured and layered team, and our guys know how to win. 
But I want to add a couple more things to what the coach said, and that mm -hmm. is their depth at center with Anse Kopitar, with Philip Deneau, with Pierre-Luc Dubois. Now, Blake Lazat just got hurt, so it'll be interesting to see what they add to their center ice position. But they can go into any game in any environment, and their center ice play is as good or better than probably any teams in the league. And then you've got, I think, one of the better stories in the league. Quinton Byfield has really had an amazing go to start the season playing with Ante Kopitar. He can play center, he can play wing, and he's a big body who can skate. They have a player which played almost 1,200 games in the NHL, Drew Doughty. He's averaging 26 minutes a game, and he's always been an efficient player, second overall pick in his draft year just behind Steven Stamkos. He's always been an amazingly effective player, and now he's he's found the fountain of youth. He's like Ponce de Leon. It's unbelievable how well he's playing, Jimmy. And then finally, I think L.A., and this is a tribute to their amateur scouts. We talk about the eye test all the time. Yep. Jordan Spence, You probably if you're a regular viewer of the league, you know who he is. But if yep. you don't watch the league all the time, Jordan Spence, who's that? He's a five foot ten, 190-pound defenseman. He's uh, from born in Australia, um, grew up in eastern Canada, played in the Quebec Major Junior League. He's a good player, Jimmy. So you look at all the things going on with, with L.A., they're real good. And, again, this will be the old guys playing against the young guys, and it'll be interesting to see how Anna ha handles it. But the swagger is back in that series, Jimmy. It really is. Pierre, I want to ask you about a, a guy, Philip Deneau. We, you know, mm -hmm. I, you know, we watched, I saw him play a lot, obviously, when he was in Montreal, uh, covering the Atlantic Division so much. And we spoke about this earlier in the week, about sometimes how free agent signings don't go as well because people don't consider the fit or the players around him or where he'll fall into that lineup. But to me, that was such a great signing because in Montreal, Montreal needed to be hit, needed him to be something he wasn't. Whereas in L.A., I feel like he can just fall into being himself, and I think that's what's happened. Am I reading that right? Oh, I love how you just presented that. So you look at it with L.A., they've got Anse Kopitar. Nobody's usurping his time as a number one center, Jimmy. They're mm -hmm. just not. And then you've got Pierre-Luc Dubois, who's probably a better fit as a two than he is as a three. And then if Phil Deneau is your three, you're real good. Um, <laughs> and he plays to his role. So yeah. I would agree with that. And, and for Phil – the one thing, you know, Mark Bergevin gets a lot of arrows tossed at him when he was a general manager in Montreal. One of his more shrewd moves was getting Phil Deneau to Montreal. And mm -hmm. Phil was really good in Montreal when he was there. And obviously they didn't keep him, but he moves on to L.A. And, and I think the fit in L.A. is absolutely perfect for him. I really do, just to build off your point. Yeah, I like it. And then another guy, too, I want to ask you quickly about with the Kings is Kalioff. Uh, I've been trying to figure him out for a while, Pierre. What What's your scouting report on him? He's got one of the more electrifying releases in the National Hockey League. We all talk about and trumpet Connor Bedard and how well he chews the puck. Arthur, Arthur Kaliev can shoot the puck almost as well, if not as quickly as Connor Bedard can, and, and he's bigger. He's a lot bigger. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Bedard's a better player. Do not do not get me wrong. We're just yeah. talking about release points right now. But he's a pure finisher and a scorer, and there's some nights where he'll play with Pierre-Luc Dubois and Alex Lafreniere, um, and then there are other nights where he'll play with a different center. But the thing about Kaliev is he can really shoot the puck. And I didn't mean, mean, mean to say Lafreniere. I meant to say Laferriere. Yes, me. I know. I know. Yes. Hey, speaking of, perfect segue. That's the one guy where I've been a little surprised. Not off to the best start. What's been going on with him? With who now? With, with Laferriere. Uh, well, actually, he had a great game against Arizona the other night. Um, okay. He can really skate. He's a kid out of Harvard. 
I've been watching him a lot. Just to show you how old I am, uh, I had his father and, and his uncle in hockey camp oh, wow. when we were younger. So uh, I've known the family for a long time. I'm big fans. Um, I think the young man's a tremendous player. Uh, it, it's hard to get points on a consistent basis, especially when you're playing deeper in the lineup. But I would right. say, Jimmy, the future is very bright for him in the National Hockey He can skate and he accelerates with the puck on his stick, whereas some guys or most guys slow down. He speeds up. All right, let's switch over to the other side of the game here, though, Pierre. And obviously, I've got a connection with Greg Cronin, as I've made it known here. Um, but, you know, objectively speaking, you know, I'll keep it objective on here. What can you say bad about him right now? I mean, it's just look at the job he's done. He's come in. Now, he inherited some great skill, and we'll get to that. But I want your take on what Crow has been able to do there to kind of rejuvenate this organization. Well, I think he brings organizational standards. He's an honest communicator. He's a hard guy. I think the players appreciate that in him. Uh, he's got a wealth of experience. You know, he's been an assistant coach in the NHL. He's been a head coach in the American Hockey League. Uh, he's been a head coach at the college level. He's been a top assistant at a really elite program at the University of Maine. I can go down the line, all the great things he's done in his career. And I'm a big fan, and I've known him a long time. What I think the biggest thing with him is, and I think that's how he got the job, He's proven over time that he can cultivate and make young players better. And I think Pat Verbeek recognized the need to have a coach like that. And that's why I think he's a really good fit for the Anaheim Ducks at this time. You know what I, I like about it, too, what he does, too, Pierre, is – and it's funny. Look, I'm not going to name the teams. He interviewed for some head coaching jobs yep. before this and didn't get the jobs. And one of the common threads he would tell me that they would come back to him with is like, well – we just don't think it work well with young kids. Now, did you? Can you imagine after everything you just said? I'm like, what are they watching? It, but what I love about it is not only does he work well with young kids, he's still able to bring the old school approach and work well with young kids. As you started this conversation off, you said he holds them to a higher standard, and it's very hard in this game, as you know, up here now, to sort of find that balance where you can be old school enough to keep those standards in place. But you you adapt with the times as well. A lot of coaches struggle with it. Cronin has not. And, and like you just said, that's why he's succeeding there. You know, there's a great example of what you're talking about. And I love what the fans in New Jersey did a year ago. They wanted Lindy Ruff fired. Lindy Ruff speaks to exactly what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Old school standards with modern day approach. Yep. He delegates fantastically well. He keeps his staff fresh. Um, they always are implementing new ideology. You see their younger players start to thrive in New Jersey. Uh, look at the play of Luke Hughes. Look at the play of Jack Hughes. Look at the play of Nico Heischer when healthy. You know, you look at Jesper Brat. You can look at all these young players in New Jersey. Um, the message doesn't get old on them. So I think what Greg does is present much the same thing. And, and this is where NHL decision makers get it wrong. They don't do enough of a background check on where the guy came from, who he worked for, and what he did, and the players that he developed. And if you go look at Greg Cronin over time and the players he developed, the programs he helped build, and the relationship he had with younger players, it's elite. It's elite. Yeah. It really is. Yep. I'm with you. Well, let's look at that roster that he's got right now, Pierre. And right at the top of the scoring is UMass product and former Boston Bruin, former New York Ranger, Frankie <laughs> Vitrano, who has yeah. just found himself there. What's been the difference for Frankie this year? Well, he's shooting the puck. He was always a really good shooter. But the thing about him is, is his two-step acceleration. I think he's just pulling away from a lot of coverages. He's fearless going to the net, and he's making plays hard at the net, not peripheral plays, making hard plays at the net. 
Yeah. And I know a guy that you've been watching as well, right behind him, actually tied with him is Mason McTavish beer. And this is a kid that you you're very familiar, familiar with. You've watched him come up through the ranks. You've watched him with junior teams. What did you love about him before he got to the league? And now how has that shown through since he got here? He had an uncanny ability to dominate the puck, especially in high traffic areas. He made the players around him better all the time. He's doing that in the NHL right now. And to me, the biggest thing about Mason McTavish is he doesn't get intimidated by big moments. He wants the big moment. He wants the game on his stick. He wants to be the guy that's going to take a hit to make a play. Uh, he is one of those players that I think if you're going to win the cup, every team has to have a player like that, Jimmy. Yeah, and he's like they need character. They didn't have all that character with their younger players, and I feel like the rest of the team is feeding off that, seeing a younger guy kind of step up and bring that leadership as well. Am I right? I would agree with that wholeheartedly. You know, the biggest thing about Anaheim, I think it starts at the top. So the Samuelis, the ownership group there, they recognize, okay, we've tried it a certain way. It's not working. We got to change. So they go out and hire Pat Verbeek. Pat Verbeek, I coached them. He's no shrink and violet. Trust me, when he played, he was a nasty piece of business. Yeah. And, you know, everybody loves to call him the little ball of hate. He was that and some. Trust me on yeah. that. Uh, but I really respect the way he's carried himself as a professional. He's a great decision maker. He learned from Steve Eiserman. He learned from Kenny Holland. He's learned from the very best people. And again, this comes down to when you do these job searches, pay attention to what the guy did, pay attention to who mentored him, and pay attention to some of the players that he was a part of and developed. Yeah. And when you see Pat's track record, you get really impressed. You know, when uh, when things are kind of going awry, and I know he's injured right now, but when things are going awry over there, Pierre, with a lot of their young stars, kind of, you know, Corona comes in and he starts to send the message he's trying to get across, and Trevor Zegers didn't exactly take to it. Um, and a lot of people questioned a benching there earlier in the season. You were one of the few who said, just trust the process there. What do you think happens when he comes back? Is he going to buy in or is this going to be an issue with them? Uh, I think it's where Trevor has to take a look in the mirror. Um, I know that he's been put on a pedestal and his skill level would speak to that. I mean, he's a highly skilled, very effective offensive weapon. And his pedigree, especially at the World Junior, speaks to that. Uh, internationally, he's been fantastic. His rookie year in the NHL, he was off the charts good. He's made some human highlight real type plays. That being said, that stuff's all cool and great. And people love seeing it on YouTube, but does that translate into winning hockey? And I don't know if that always does. And so he's going to have to take a look in the mirror and buy into what the coach is selling and look yeah. at what his teammates are doing. And I think his teammates are buying in. And if he buys in, this team's going to be really good. And like we said, the swagger will be back in the Anaheim LA series. It really will be. I'm, I'm excited for the fans out there in Southern California. I really am, Jimmy. Uh, you talk about great hockey um it's just and with LA the way the fans are really buying into what they're doing and even in Anaheim you get the sense the fans are really starting to believe in their retooling um this is an exciting time to be a hockey fan in Southern California yeah and we'd, we'd be remiss Pierre if I didn't bring up Cam Fowler all right because this is a guy who he's just quietly through some really tough years in Anaheim maintained his stature maintained his ability there and really brought it, and you don't notice it because the team was losing, but now he's back on a winning team. I'm just happy for this guy. I mean, I, I think there are so many times where it looks like maybe the Ducks were going to trade him, uh, you know, and they'd move on from him, but they didn't. 
And I feel like now they're probably pretty happy they didn't. Well, I think you're right. And one of the things that happens, you have to ask yourself the question, how many times can a guy start his career in one place, spend his whole career there, and finish his career in one Hardly place? Ever. So just we talk about the importance of this rivalry. Drew Doughty is one of those guys. Yeah. Anse Kopitar is one of those guys. I look at the role model for both of them is Dustin Brown. Mm -hmm. You know, so I, you go down and you look at all these guys. I'm a huge fan of Rob Blake. I'm a huge fan of Luke Robitaille. Neither one of those guys started and finished. They were going to different places over the course of their career. But if you look at Kopitar and Dowdy in particular, and then you see in Anaheim, um, you know, obviously Cam has started his career there, and hopefully for him he finishes there. Uh, I have so much respect for players that do that and organizations that respect that part of the process. I'm with you on that. And we're just going to, we're going to be shortly joined. And look, I, I failed to mention in the beginning, but it's a good surprise now, Pierre. I apologize. Uh, Greg Brown, head coach of Boston College, will be joining us shortly. Uh, he actually just texted me. He says, give me about two to three minutes and we'll be on. Uh, Pierre, you go way back with Brownie. Before we get him on, why don't you tell our viewers a little bit about him so they have a little background? Well, he's been a tremendous hockey coach, but as good a coach as he is and as good a player as he was, he's a better human being. He's a phenomenal man. You'll get that when we interview him. Um, he's a guy that went to the St. Mark's School in South Borough, Massachusetts. Uh, it's the first time I ever saw him play was when he was an undergraduate there. Uh, he played. He was a second-round pick of the Buffalo Sabres, played in Buffalo, Pittsburgh, and Winnipeg uh, before going overseas. He was a two-time Olympian. Uh, when I was coaching at St. Lawrence, he was playing at Boston College. We played against them. Tons of respect for the way he carried himself. Uh, when he moved over to Europe, I saw him play in Vrogla. I saw him play in Lexan. I did not see him play in the DEL in Germany. But here's what I can tell you. Awesome hockey family. His brother, Doug, won two cups with Detroit in 97 and 98. He was signed by Lou Lamorello as an undrafted free agent with the New Jersey Devils. Uh, and, and Doug had a tremendous career. But here's a kicker. You should talk about a great hockey family the Browns are. Patrick and Christopher are Greg's nephews. Patrick's playing for the Boston Bruins, and Christopher actually just got called up to uh, Rochester in the American Hockey League. And wow. Greg recruited both of them to BC. So it's kind <laughs> of a neat story. Um, I just think the world of the Brown family, and I'm a huge fan of Greg's. And, Jimmy, I got to tell all the viewers and listeners this. There are not a lot of people that – coach division one college hockey then get an opportunity to coach in the nhl like greg did with david quinn and the new york rangers for three years he loses his job and instead of pouting and moping he goes and coaches dubuque in the ushl now i can tell you from experience it's one thing to be on the new york rangers charter and stay at the four seasons in the ritz and it's another thing to be riding on a bus from dubuque to grand forks north dakota yeah. and, stay, and no disrespect but staying at a motel six so yeah. i'm just telling you this guy did his chores, and now he's been rewarded with an amazing job at his alma mater, and what a job he's done. He's in year two, Jimmy. He's in year two, and what a job he's done at Boston and, College. And we'll get to it, but what a stacked team he's got there right now, Pierre. I mean, I, I might say that they could maybe compete with some AHL teams, to be honest. <laughs> like They just got that much skill on that yeah. team. Uh, so we're looking forward to getting him on in a bit. And, of course, uh, we had Jay Pandolfo on before earlier this week, and – it, you know, college hockey's starting to kick into high gear right now, Pierre. And I just urge all our listeners to jump on there. I mean, and start watching more of it because I know you're a big fan of it. But we've got some Canadian listeners up there. You can get a hold of it now on ESPN Plus or on Peacock. Uh, so really, you got you got to start watching it because 
they're the wave. They're the future. And it's not like 20 years ago where there were less, you know, less college players, more junior players. Now the college players are starting to take over, Pierre, and there's so much skill coming up that way. No question about it. Here's one thing. Just for the Canadian viewers north of the border, TSN has a full slate of ECAC hockey games every weekend. So you can actually pick that up free of charge as long as you have TSN in Canada. And if you're in the United States, ESPN Plus does all – or Flow TV, they do all the college games. So you can't miss. And right now, Greg Brown's product at Boston College is as good or better than anybody's to watch. It really is. It's phenomenal what they've done there. Well, let's bring Coach Brown on right now and discuss that product. I think we got him right now. Hey, guys. Hey, Coach. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Great, great. Good. We appreciate you taking the time here and welcome to the eye test. And, you know, before we get into it, uh, Coach, we want to just play a little clip here from Friday night because, as I was telling Pierre off the air, it's my first chance to really, really watch you guys this week. And I was really impressed with that that first game, that overtime win against UConn that you had. And what a like what a play by Carter Goche. So let's listen to that clip right now. Yelvik under a minute to go in the overtime. Oh. Yelvik gets free. Oh, he Yelvik dips it. Oh. He missed. And oh. then back in, they score! Heiner thought it was under him, but it was still free! And Connor Gauthier wins it for Boston College! Now, Coach, I'll just, we'll get into it. I know Pierre's dying to talk about him and some of your other prospects, but just your take on that goal. I was so impressed with the way he didn't give up on the play because you could hear in the announcer's voice that they almost thought maybe the play was dead, but he still he keeps going. Is that one of his best attributes? Yeah, he has a real nose for the net, and he, you know, he's a shark when he's around there. He's always looking for his opportunities to get pucks on net, and, uh, you know, Yelvik made a great play um, to walk in, didn't score on his chance, but Cutter stopped right in front where you want to, to get second opportunities, and uh, we were fortunate to come away with that win. Well, hey, he's Coach, one- I have to ask you. Yeah. You're, you're playing over in Sweden for Lexan. You have a goaltender on your team by the name of Sean Goche. He happens to be Cutter's father. Did the recruiting process on Cutter Goche start there? Uh, Cutter wasn't born yet when we were playing together. <laughs> uh, but we did have, you know, I really enjoyed playing with Sean. And, you know, we had that connection. They started recruiting Cutter when I was uh, away from BC. So, but every connection helps. So I'm, I'm sure he had heard of BC. Uh, Cutter had heard of BC through our connection, and we're, we're sure glad he's here. Everything. You know, small you talked about way. you talked about um, the connections and all the different things, and you took a step back from Boston College, Greg. How hard was it when the Rangers let you go to say, "I'm going to go to Dubuque, Iowa, and start again as a head coach"? Yeah, that was hard, um, but those guys presented a great opportunity for me and I had never been a head coach. I was an assistant at 14, for 14 years at BC and three with the Rangers. So I thought if I'm ever going to do this, I, I got to try my hat at uh, head coaching and, you know, uh, Brad Kwong and Callie Larson were help, you know, gave me an opportunity. Uh, definitely a different, uh, a big step from Boston or New York, but I really enjoyed it. It's a great league out there, great development league. And, I was sure happy that I got to spend a year there. What people forget about you is you spent four years playing at Boston College. You weren't two and out like a lot of players are today. You had Lenny Siglarski and Steve Cedarchuk when you were at Boston College. I remember those days very well. 
Um, what'd you learn from the late coach Saglarski that's made you a better coach? Sure. Uh, the style we played and he let us play hockey. It was a little different back then, uh, less systematic than it is now, but he really encouraged us to, to make plays and to play hockey. And he lived with our mistakes for a while. So, you know, I think it's, you can really develop that way. You, you figure out what works and what doesn't work as a group and individually, and you get to carry it on. I had some incredible teammates there, guys named Leach, Tanny, Stevens. So <laughs> I got to learn a lot by watching them. Um, and, and coach encouraged us to make plays. And, you know, if we had options to make a play rather than dump it in and chase it, then he encouraged us to do that. And that's the style they really always played. Coach York it wanted the same style when he came here, and we're trying to do the same now. Take us inside that relationship with Mike Cavanaugh and Jerry York. You guys were the three musketeers. Your teams are always winning. You're going to frozen fours. You're winning national championships. You're producing NHL players. You're producing high-end college graduates. Take us inside the relationship between the three amigos, York, Brown, and Cavanaugh. Yeah. Well, when I got here, they had it going already. So I was just happy I didn't screw it up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think we complemented each other well. We all kind of had uh, different aspects that we really enjoyed and liked. And so the combination worked well. You know, Coach York it creates the best culture uh, that I've ever seen as far as just everyone for the team. You take really good players and they get them to care about the team first mm -hmm. is a great winning recipe. And then Coach Kavanaugh liked the penalty kill and is a, you know, fiery guy. I was more leaning toward helping the power play side. So we had a good blend where everyone had their own area and we were fortunate to have a lot of really good players come. So things worked out. Greg, I know you've got a lot of really good players there and we're up against the clock. So I'm going to ask you just simple answers. I'm going to say the player's name. You give me the five, five to 10 second scattering report on him. Cutter Goche. Sniper. Um, knows how, not just has a great shot, but knows how to find the space to get his shot off. I think that's a huge key for him. Ryan Leonard. Tenacious. Uh, also a shooter. <laughs> Sniper. Um, fearless. Goes to any dirty area to get a loose puck or to get a chance on that. Will Smith. Uh, smooth, um, really can create, has very cerebral player and, and has the skills to be able to create offense, whether on the rush or in the zone. Before I ask you the last name, I just want the listeners and the viewers to understand Cutter Goche, a first round pick of the Philadelphia Flyers, Ryan Leonard, a first round pick of the Washington Capitals, Will Smith, the fourth overall pick in last summer's draft. That's the earliest Boston College player ever to play on their team. Uh, so I think that's really important. And here's the last one I want to ask you, because this is way out of the box. Jacob Fowler, the third pick in last summer's draft, third round pick by the Montreal Canadiens in last summer's draft. Yeah. Um, great demeanor, like great mental game for goalie, much beyond his 18 years. I think his he's so consistent and he's a very talented goalie, but I think his mental game is – is what keeps them there and, and keeps them so consistent right now. Jimmy, I just want you to understand. So Greg Brown's a man that helped recruit Corey Schneider, Coach Thatcher Demko, helped recruit Spencer Knight, uh, Coach Henrik Lundqvist, Coach Igor Shesterkin. 
I think he understands a little bit about the goaltending, even though I know Benoit Lair did a lot of that coaching. Yes, he did. <laughs> I know he did. But, Jimmy, I just want you to understand, for Coach yeah. Brown to put those words on Jacob Fowler, the Montreal Canadiens' future prospect, that's pretty high praise. Let, let, Coach, uh, were you like a goalie in another life or something or what? <laughs> no, <laughs> definitely not. Um, but just have those, way, huh? with those guys, it's, you know, Again, I'm not the goalie guy. Mike Ayers does a tremendous job here, and Benny Allaire was incredible in New York. So I'm happy to be around those guys. I just want to ask up. one quick question before we let you go, Coach. We're talking about all these prospects you have, right? And and one of the things I imagine for a college head coach is time has gone on here because so many more college players are being drafted into the NHL, is how do you approach it with kids? And you've got 14 right now that are already drafted. How do you help them find that balance of living in the now and developing and not looking too far ahead to, wow, look at what I might have ahead of me? Yeah, we've talked about that a lot. You have to. Um, you know, they're good kids. They want to do well and succeed. Of course, the NHL is, is on their mind, but uh, they do a great job of focusing on the here and now. And, and we remind them of that. Like, you only get a short time together on this team. Let's make the most of it. I love that. Perfect. Well, Coach, we appreciate you taking the time. Good luck against Notre Dame and Harvard as well. And uh, we'll talk to you down the line. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Hey, Greg, don't eat too much uh, chicken parm at Parise's in South Bend. <laughs> I know that's where you go. Just stay out of trouble there. It's Thanksgiving to you. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good one. Thanks, see you guys. Thanks, Great Coach. to see you. Thank All right. You. That's Coach Greg Brown joining us from Boston College. And now what, what a coach he's – He's become, and look, Pierre, like, I love how you, you make sure that everyone knows the path he went to get there, the price he's had to pay. It's a lot on him. It's a lot on his family. Uh, but look where he is now. He's always been an amazing gentleman. I can just tell you that, Jimmy. And, and again, going back to knowing him from the mid-1980s, watching him play prep school hockey, seeing how sought after he was by all the colleges, the way he carried himself at Boston College when they used to play at McHugh Forum. Uh, knowing that he spent four years at BC when he could have left after two. We brought that up to the coach yeah. during the interview. Um, he's an amazing family guy. He's an amazing uncle. He's an awesome teammate. He's a great friend. He's loyal as a day is long. You know, if you're a parent and you're thinking about, um, you know, different schools your kid can go to, um, as a hockey person, you wouldn't be off base having your son play for that guy. I can tell you that right now. He's an amazing man. He really is. And it's like you said, even before we brought him on, Pierre, uh, you need to look at who mentored these guys, at who they worked for, who they worked with, the, the styles they were around. And you you brought up the name Siglarski and York. And you know, if I'm a GM or I'm a I'm a you know athletic director, and I hear those names, well, then I'm liking this guy because those are a heck of a mentor. Yeah, I agree with you. That, that was so much fun. What a gentleman! It was yeah. great. Yeah, he's about to get on a plane to go South Bend, Indiana, and play Notre Dame. And then they come right back and they play at Harvard on uh, on Sunday. I mean, just an awesome guy to take the time, and he really cares about hockey and he cares about his team, and he wants his players to get some recognition too. When we we're here to do that, and we care about the game as well, Pierre. And this has been another episode. Man, they're flying by of the eye test here on the Sick Podcast Network. We'll talk to you next time. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the eye test with Pierre McGuire and Jimmy Murphy on YouTube, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.